Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The Trump University School of Applied Logic and International Law. If the president is above domestic laws, it stands to reason that international laws don't apply to him either. Trump-branded war agra. Are you an old, white, Republican man who has trouble achieving erection? Do Viagra erections still leave a gaping hole in your fragile sense of masculinity? Try Waragra. Fox News coverage of Trump's reckless warmongering activates Waragra's pseudo-patriotic bloodlust to give you a war boner so raging you won't be able to stop tweeting about it. Waragra. It's like Viagra, but for pussies. And strategy. Officially missing from America's foreign policy since January 20th, 2017. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices may be low, but they are nowhere near as low as the chances that President Trump's decision to assassinate an Iranian general was not solely motivated by impeachment. Our sole focus this week is on the crisis in Iran. In the span of one week, beginning with President Trump's not-at-all-thought-through decision to assassinate Iranian general Qasem Soleimani, President Trump brought the world to the precipice of World War III, only to try and walk back a week's worth of insane threats and contradictory justifications with a blame-shifting speech that contained almost as many lies as it did mispronunciations. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. General Couscous Salman was a terrible terrorist and Obama's best friend. The terrible Iran deal, which Obama signed because he loves General Salami Sandwich so much, gave Iran a hundred gajillion plus infinity dollars so that General SoulCycle could pay for a plot against America that General Silly Putty was definitely planning, even though I refuse to show anybody any evidence because Democrats... The good news is that Iran's official act of vengeance for the assassination of General Soleimani was reasonable, proportional, and yielded no casualties. And that even though he was a dick about it, President Trump ultimately chose the reasonable course of de-escalating the conflict and avoiding all-out war. Because Iran's bombing of two American military bases didn't kill anybody, this whole thing is over. And I won the greatest military victory in the history of military victories. And none of the regional or global consequences count because Trump. The bad news is everything else. Here to quickly run down a brief list of the lasting negative consequences of President Trump's impulsive flirtation with World War III is the fast-talking legal disclaimer lady that speeds through side effects at the end of prescription drug commercials. The assassination of a top leader of a nation-state is a war crime. Speaking of war crimes, Trump threatened to commit even more war crimes when he suggested he would destroy Iranian cultural sites and threatened to respond to Iranian attacks without purposely disproportionate violence. Trump's false claim of an intimate threat caused him to lose even more credibility. On the world stage, Iran used the attack as a pretense to abandon cooperating in the nuclear treaty. Assassinating an Iranian leader on Iraqi soil without Iraq's permission caused the Iraqi parliament to vote to kick U.S. troops out of Iraq. We sent a letter to Iraq saying we would withdraw our troops, but then immediately denied sending the letter we sent. Also, we didn't warn our allies, so they're even more pissed at Trump than before. Even Israel publicly distanced themselves from Trump's actions. Iran's multiple proxies may yet take action despite Iran's official statement of de-escalation. 
Multiple countries in the region that happily housed American military bases are now thinking twice. America screwed up so badly, Iran actually comes across as the reasonable party. A previously divided Iranian population we had hoped would weaken the power of the Supreme Leader are now unanimously behind their government against America. More than half of Americans suspect Trump's real motives were related to impeachment, and 176 people died in as of yet unexplained Ukrainian airline crash that occurred in Tehran on the night of Iranians' counter-strike. <gasps> okay. And that's just the off-the-top-of-our-head list of immediate, obvious, short-term consequences. The list of long-term, unintended consequences include... I I can't do it. Needless to say, the collective sigh of relief the world exhaled when Trump chose to de-escalate this precarious situation is far from permanent, especially given the volatile history of the region. Here to inadequately condense the entire volatile history of the Middle East into a brief three-minute segment is Barely Audible Whisper's own Harvard professor. So pretentious, he insists on being called Dr. Professor. The volatile history of the Middle East is rooted in two major sources of centuries-old confrontation. The first being the persistent imperialist invasions of Westerners. The good news is that I, Alexander the Great, in all my Alexander the Greatness, claim this land for Greece. The bad news is that if you don't want to be part of Greece, you will be killed. The total lack of respect given by Western imperialists to the locals' way of life is perhaps best exemplified by the British Empire's redrawing of the Middle Eastern map in the aftermath of World War I. I say, the manner in which you have historically divided yourselves into nation-states is most inconvenient, with respect to our plans to steal your natural resources. I don't suppose you'd mind too terribly if we redrew your national boundaries in a manner more conducive to our plundering? The second and more widely acknowledged source of Middle Eastern volatility resides in the fact that the sacred texts of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all lay claim to it as their particular religion's rightful holy land, appointed by their particular god. And for centuries, rather than admit that the notion that God gives a shit about the religious demography of a particular patch of desert is silly, they've chosen instead to kill each other. My God says that your God is a false God. Oh yeah, well my God says that your God is the false God and my God would know because my God is the real God. Would you two stop all this ridiculous fighting? Obviously both of your gods are false because my God is the real God. Duh. And yet, despite the backdrop of the Middle East as the historical staging area of humanity's worst impulses, the nation of Iran emerged as a relatively stable democracy until 1953 when the CIA helped orchestrate a coup against Iran's democratically elected government in favor of installing an American puppet regime because American decision-making in the Middle East is notoriously short-sighted and based on greed. 
On the plus side, if we orchestrate a coup against a democratically elected government in Iran, we can make a lot of money off our American-installed puppet regime. On the downside, what's the worst that could happen? In 1979, the worst that could happen happened when Ayatollah Khomeini led a revolution overthrowing the Shah and the Iranian people rejoiced. Unfortunately, the Ayatollah turned out to be a brutally oppressive theocrat, and Iranians are basically forbidden from all expressions of joy. Yeah! We mean a solemn expression of religious piety. Since the Islamic Revolution of 1979, America and Iran have been fierce adversaries. When Iran fought Iraq in a brutal war that killed millions, America armed Saddam Hussein, because did I mention American decisions in the Middle East are short-sighted and greedy? And speaking of Iraq, ever since a handful of neoconservative cowboys engineered a war in Iraq for what turned out to be absolutely no reason, those same neoconservative chicken hawks have been aiming their tiny little war erections at Iran. Which brings us to President Trump's tiny little impeachment avoiding war erection, which he aimed at assassinating Iranian General Qasem Soleimani on Iraqi soil without Iraqi permission, in a decision so short-sighted and greedy that even America's most short-sighted and greedy war hawks were like, damn, that's short-sighted and greedy. President Trump's stupid strategyless strategy with Iran began when he unilaterally pulled America out of the multilateral joint comprehensive plan of action, which Trump called the Iran deal because he's an idiot. Trump calling the joint comprehensive plan of action the Iran deal caused all of us to call it the Iran deal because Trump's idiocy is collectively dumbing us all down. The Iran deal was finalized by the Obama administration in 2015 when, after 10 years of intense negotiations, then-Secretary of State John Kerry was brought in to bore the Iranians into submission. As a condition of removing the crippling economic sanctions that have been imposed on Iran, the Iranian government shall agree to suspend its nuclear weapons program. Inspectors must be allowed access to Iranian facilities to verify Iranian compliance, and in the event that inspections demonstrate non-compliance on the part of the Iranian government, mechanisms shall be in place that immediately reimpose said sanctions onto the Iranian economy. Okay, fine. We'll agree to whatever you want. Just please stop talking. President Trump pulled America out of the Iranian deal which was achieved by leveraging sanctions in order to coerce Iran into foregoing their nuclear weapons program and allowing inspectors to verify their commitment, and then immediately imposed sanctions on Iran in order to leverage them into agreeing to forego their nuclear weapons program and allow inspectors to verify their commitment. As always, our Trump impersonator is still a woman, because we hear he still hates that. The Iran deal is the worst deal in the history of deals, because Obama... 
I am ripping up the stupid Iran deal, which stupidly used sanctions to get Iran to agree to not produce nuclear weapons. And I'm going to negotiate the best deal in the history of deals because I negotiate the best deals. My deal is a super smart, stable genius deal because I'm going to use sanctions to get Iran to agree to not produce nuclear weapons. Nobody is better at negotiating deals that have already been negotiated but I destroyed so I can negotiate the same deal than Trump. Not only did pulling out of the Iran deal destroy America's international credibility by making the United States the bad faith actors in a treaty with Iran, but our sudden inability to monitor Iran's nuclear weapons capabilities caused us to freak out about not being able to monitor Iran's nuclear weapons capabilities. My god, we have no way of monitoring Iran's capabilities. Thanks, Obama. Can you imagine what havoc Iran could wreak on the world if they gained access to nuclear weapons? Uh, to be clear, I can imagine what havoc a, uh, nuclear-armed Iran could wreak on the world. Uh, to be clear, that's why I signed the Iran deal. Oh my god, Obama just called it the Iran deal. Trump's idiocy is so strong he dumbed down Obama. Another predictable consequence of vacating the Iran deal that President Trump somehow failed to predict was Iranian posturing growing more aggressive in the region, as evidenced by a recent Iranian missile strike on a Saudi Arabian oil field. Who could have possibly predicted that would happen? Uh, to be clear, uh, everybody could have predicted that would happen. U.S.-Iranian tensions spiked in June when the American surveillance drone was shot down in Iranian airspace which caused both sides to engage in heated rhetoric condemning the aggression of the other side. The hyper-aggressive warlike rhetoric surrounding the drone incident was especially weird, considering how reasonable both sides' behavior actually was. America was spying on Iran, because of course they were. And when Iran caught our drones spying on them, they shot it down, because of course they did. But for some reason, both sides decided to feign being apoplectic over the other side's supposed aggression. I can't believe you are spying on us. Even though we've been fierce adversaries for 40 years, this hurts my feelings. I can't believe you shot down our drone just because we were spying on you. This hurts my feelings. I hate hurt feelings. Let's go to war. Meanwhile, we still haven't elected a woman president because women are too emotional. The flare-up over the drone was so intense that President Trump ordered a retaliatory airstrike, then immediately changed his mind and canceled the airstrike while the warplanes were literally en route. <gasps> Iran broke my favorite toy! Bomb them! Commence Operation Impulsive Overreaction. I repeat, commence Operation Impulsive Overreaction. I, I, I changed my mind. Uh, if I don't bomb Iran, then they'll give me the Nobel Peace Prize. And my Nobel Peace Prize will say, this Nobel Peace Prize is better than Obama's Nobel Peace Prize. Abort Operation Impulsive Overreaction. I repeat, abort. Don't say abort. My base hates that word. President Trump's strategicless foreign policy has basically been a chaotic mixture of two incompatible impulses, an isolationist tendency to resist interventionism and an insecure alpha male's need to kick ass. 
The president's irrational desire to not get involved, but also kick ass, has led to multiple rhetorical flare-ups that ultimately turned out to be as anticlimactic as Stormy Daniels' fake orgasm. His heated rhetoric against Iran had followed the same pattern of anticlimax that I assume is responsible for why Melania's facial expression always looks like that. And there had been no recent Iranian flare-ups to make Americans fear the impending possibility of war with Iran. But then Trump got impeached. They can't impeach me if I kill General Cuckoo Salamander. Commence operation. I bet Nixon wishes he'd thought of this. War. Ooh. What is it good for? Absolutely everything. An old term is making the rounds again after President Trump's killing of General Soleimani threatened to instigate war with Iran. Wag the dog. To explain the history of this term is our film nerd, Trenton Squarantino. The term wag the dog comes from the 1997 film of the same name, featuring Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro. Hoffman plays a president who is caught making advances on an underage girl. De Niro's spin doctor character constructs a fictional war with Albania to keep the media focused on other things. The film might ultimately have been forgettable, except that one month after the film was released, this happened. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Unrelated, I'm going to bomb Al-Qaeda targets in Sudan. Yay, wagging the dog! So, to this day, wag the dog means a president who commits acts of war in order to keep other things out of the news or anything along those lines. Here to explain why Squarantino is partially wrong is literary nerd Etymology. The term wag the dog is much older than that, dating at least to the 19th century. There's an unattributed saying, a dog is smarter than its tail, that if the tail were smarter, then it would wag the dog. In the case of the film, the tail is De Niro's character, and the dog is Hoffman's. And the tail wags the dog. It is therefore more apt to compare the George W. Bush presidency to the film than Clinton's, wherein the smarter tail, Dick Cheney, wags the less smart dog, Bush. The current usage to describe a scandal, and not the manipulation of a more powerful yet dumber individual, is therefore a bit of a misnomer, if not a, a, a malapropism. Thank you, Etta. As with most nerdy clarifications, that was entirely unnecessary. Since the film came out, every president has been accused of wagging the dog in some way every time they execute any military action. We've already covered Clinton and W. Obama is a bit different of a case, as one prominent critic of President Obama did not wait for the president to commit an action to accuse him of wagging the dog. For the third time, our Trump impersonator is a woman because of the rule of threes. In November of 2011... In order to get elected, Barack Obama will start a war with Iran. In August of 2012... I always said Barack Obama will attack Iran in some form prior to the election. In October of 2012... Don't let Obama play the Iran card in order to start a war, in order to get elected. Be careful, Republicans! Then after the election passed with no war in Iran, in September of 2013... Remember what I previously said... 
Obama will someday attack Iran in order to show how tough he is. And in November of 2013, Remember that I predicted a long, long time ago that President Obama will attack Iran because of his inability to negotiate properly, not skilled. Which brings us to today. Trump broke Obama's Iran deal, then negotiated pretty much the same deal. Not skilled. And a few months later, conveniently while facing impeachment and up for re-election, he commits the action he so frequently predicted Obama would commit. We brought in a psychologist to comment on Trump's pattern of projection. From comments on Obama's golfing trips, to proposing impeachment for gross incompetence, to his standing amongst world leaders, to his accusing Hillary Clinton of corruption and Joe Biden of nepotism, Donald Trump has a long history of criticizing others for having his own faults. It is to some extent natural for us to project our faults onto others as a way of dealing with them, as in the case of this couple. Can I borrow your phone? I'd rather you didn't. I think I saw your phone in the bathroom. Why don't you want me to use your phone? Are there text messages on there you don't want me to see? Have you been flirting with your coworkers? Did you kiss someone at the office Christmas party? I guarantee you, he has been flirting via text with his co-workers and kissed someone at the office Christmas party. Trump's narcissism and his garbage brain are the perfect breeding ground for projecting his faults onto others. He needs to see himself as the smartest, healthiest person. He even needs to see himself as morally upright, despite a lifetime of horrid behavior. So, if we want to predict what else Trump will do in his desperation to avoid impeachment and be re-elected, we only need to look at the things he's accused others of in the past. And we can predict that whoever wins the Democratic nomination will, like Hillary Clinton, be accused of having all of Trump's worst faults. Sleepy Joe Biden is very insecure about his looks, and he has a fake tan and fake hair and fake teeth and deep down, he knows he's disgusting. Well, you got me on the hair, but... Pocahontas Warren will lie about anything, and if you challenge her on her lying lies, she'll just attack someone else for no reason and accuse them of lying when she's the liar. What? Andrew Yang is a secret right supremacist. That makes no sense. Pete Buttigieg is very sexually attracted to his own daughter. I'm gay. I have no daughter, and do I really need to respond to this? Amy Klobuchar is best friends with all the evil dictators all around the world because they are the only people who truly understand her. That's not true. No one truly understands me. Bernie Sanders just wants to give tax breaks to all his billionaire friends and just wants to be president so he can't be convicted of all his crimes. Lock him up. Lock him up. Okay. I see what's happening here, Mr. Trump. You're just saying all the things that you know are wrong with yourself about all of us. So, quite literally, we're rubber and you're glue. Everything you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Here's your sticky. All right. So, 
Why did President Trump order the assassination of General Soleimani? Impeachment. According to the White House, it was because they had actionable intelligence regarding an imminent and immediate threat posed by Soleimani, and so they had to execute him in order to avoid impeachment. the imminent danger. However, neither the White House nor the Pentagon has provided any evidence to support that claim which made it extra alarming when Secretary of State Pompeo said in a television interview that the assassination was carried out because of impeachment. Soleimani's past deeds and not to prevent impeachment. an imminent attack, as had been previously claimed. Meanwhile, Trump's defenders have tried to steer the discussion away from impeachment. the specifics of the alleged intelligence concerning the alleged impending attack, and have instead chosen to speak broadly about the fact that Soleimani was a brutal supporter of terrorism who has the blood of hundreds of American soldiers on his hands. And while Soleimani was undisputedly a horrible man whose death should not be mourned, the assassination of a bad guy doesn't make strategic sense unless it relates to impeachment, a larger military objective. In an effort to justify their actions, top administration officials held a classified briefing for all 535 members of Congress, which Democrats and even many Republicans panned as unconvincing, illogical, and completely lacking in evidence. Barely audible whisper obtained audio of the briefing, which the Trump administration reportedly walked out of when the questions got to be too hard. That has led most observers to conclude that the assassination of General Soleimani was entirely about impeachment. Like we said originally, but then I said something different on national television, but now we're saying again, we had to kill Soleimani because we had intelligence that he was going to do something bad. I have provided you all with a copy of the indisputable proof that he was about to do something bad. Um, this is just a piece of paper that says he's going to do something bad. Thank God we stopped him. The piece of paper doesn't even mention Soleimani by name. You literally use the pronoun he. What you snowflake liberals... I'm a Republican. ...with your gender-neutral pronouns fail to appreciate is that Soleimani was plotting an attack to kill Americans. Yeah, vaguely worded pieces of paper don't lie. Even if Soleimani was planning an imminent attack, he's a general. Generals plan attacks. They don't carry them out. How does killing the guy who planned the attack prevent the attack he already planned from being carried out? Because even though he had already planned the attack, he hadn't commenced the attack. Yeah, you can't commence an attack unless a general says, commence an attack. That's a long-standing military principle that was established several sketches ago. That's ridiculous. What's ridiculous is how much you hate America. What? Person who hates America says what? And you already said what, before I said person who hates America says what. So you, preemptively, hate America. And speaking of preemptive, we preemptively killed a bad guy before he could do bad guy stuff. So you should be thanking us postemptively. This is a classified briefing. If you have convincing classified intelligence that proves the assassination of General Soleimani saved American lives, why don't you show it to us? Would you look at the time? We have to preemptively end this briefing to preempt becoming postemptively late to another thing on our schedule. See, it says so right here on our schedule. It literally says the word another thing in a square marked really soon. Yeah, I'm glad we cleared that up. And you're welcome for all the lives we saved.
If the complete chaos of a week in which World War III was more narrowly avoided than at any time since the Cuban Missile Crisis was not harrowing enough, a Ukrainian commercial passenger plane taking off from Tehran's airport crashed, killing all 176 civilians on board. The crash occurred four hours after Iran launched more than a dozen ballistic missiles targeting two Iraqi military bases that house American soldiers in retaliation for the assassination of General Qasim Soleimani on Iraqi soil. As of this recording, the cause of the crash remains unknown, but Iranian officials claimed immediately after the crash that the crash was due to engine failure. The claim was so immediate, in fact, that it is impossible for Iranian officials to have accurately made that determination that quickly. crash. A plane crash that was definitely caused by engine failure and not a missile. The Iranians suspiciously hasty diagnosis. Yep, definitely not a missile. That was a Boeing plane, and you know how unreliable Boeing planes are. Boeing planes crash for not missile-related reasons all the time. As well as a recording that shows the plane catching fire before the crash has led American aviation experts to speculate that the plane was shot down. The Iranian government, which has kind of sort of backed off its initial claim that the crash was definitely engine failure. Okay, perhaps we were a bit premature in saying it was definitely engine failure, but now that we've had an adequate amount of time to pretend to look into it, it was almost certainly, probably, most likely engine failure. But definitely not a missile. Mm -hmm. Has said that the flight recorder and black box have been recovered, but they are refusing to allow American aviation experts or Boeing representatives to examine it. If we turn over the evidence to the Americans, Boeing will say it was a missile just to avoid responsibility. Who are you going to believe? Boeing or the Iranian government? Sadly, that's a difficult question to answer. Further complicating the investigation into the actual cause of the plane crash is the fact that it was a Ukrainian plane, which necessitates the involvement of the Ukrainian government in an investigation into whether or not a Ukrainian plane was shot down during part of a conflict that was started by an American president trying to avoid responsibility for extorting the Ukrainian government. We reached out to Ukrainian President Zelensky for comment. <laughs> Why? Why do I always end up directly involved in Trump's crazy schemes? <laughs> Coincidentally, that is exactly the same sentiment shared by John Bolton, Michael Cohen, Deutsche Bank, Don McGahn, Mike Pence, Mick Mulvaney, Lindsey Graham, Melania, and the Republican Party. All I ever wanted to do was rid my country of corruption. Coincidentally, that sentiment has never been remotely even considered by any of the aforementioned people who shared Zelensky's original sentiment. I just want the truth! They've never considered that sentiment either. But I'll probably get bribed into supporting whatever version of events best suits Trump politically. <laughs> and we're right back to shared sentiments. He'll probably make me say plane crash was caused by Joe Biden. <clears throat> 
The idea that a plane leaving Tehran happened to suffer a mechanical failure just four hours after Iran launched a ballistic missile strike seems like an implausible coincidence. Although it is Boeing, so you never know. And although there is video evidence that seems to suggest that the plane was hit by a missile, we still have to avoid the temptation of jumping to hasty conclusions at Iranian government-level speeds. Definitely not a missile. Probably engine failure, but maybe there's something to this Joe Biden thing. Mm -hmm. Because figuring out the truth about this plane crash is going to be almost as hard as figuring out the truth about why Trump ordered the assassination of General Soleimani. Like we said originally, but then I said something different on national television, but now we're saying again. We had to kill Soleimani because we had intelligence that said he was going to do something bad. The entire week that almost led to World War III was filled with more idiotic blunders than a feature-length Three Stooges film. Yet again, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because yet again we hear he hates that. But this time, our Trump impersonator is also curly. Nick, 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 nick. I'm going to get out of impeachment by killing a bad guy. <laughs> How do you like that? My own plan turned around and bit me right in the keister. I'll teach you to bite my keister, you lousy my own plan. Goof, goof. I'll give a press conference that'll clear everything up. As long as I'm president, Iran will never have a nuclear weapon. Good morning. <coughs> How do you like that? I tripped over my own tongue. However, the potentially most damaging and by far the dumbest blunder of them all concerns the deployment of American troops in Iraq. A predictable consequence of assassinating an Iranian leader on Iraqi soil without notifying the Iraqi government that we were going to assassinate an Iranian leader on Iraqi soil was that the Iraqi government voted to kick American troops out of Iraq. Who could have possibly predicted that would happen? Uh, to be clear, everybody could have predicted that would happen. Even the most ardent anti-war protesters... U.S. troops out of Iraq would rather see the military remain in Iraq than see them forced to withdraw in that manner. Yeah, man, like, obviously I don't want the troops kicked out of Iraq by the Iraqi government because America assassinated the second highest ranking leader of a sovereign nation on Iraqi soil without warning the Iraqis. I, like, totally thought that went without saying. Nevertheless, the Iraqi parliament voted American troops out, and the top American general in Iraq sent an official letter to the Iraqi government clearly stating America's intention to withdraw our troops in accordance with the legitimate directives of the sovereign Iraqi government. But less than two hours later, the Pentagon issued a statement declaring that the letter that had just been sent to Iraq by America's top commander in Iraq, stating that America intended to withdraw from Iraq, was a mistake. Nick, 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 nick. How does an official letter declaring that the United States is pulling all of our troops out of Iraq get delivered to the Iraqi government by mistake? There are only a handful of possibilities. As the top American general in Iraq, I'm going to take it completely upon myself to write an official letter detailing our plans to pull all American forces out of Iraq without consulting any of my superiors, including the president. First of all, no general would do that. 
More importantly, if the blame could be laid that easily on one general, Trump would have thrown him under the bus faster than he came inside a Stormy Daniel. The Pentagon claims that the general's letter was only supposed to be a draft letter, but that it was errantly delivered as a result of some sort of miscommunication. But a miscommunication that drastic regarding a matter this important seems as unlikely as the possibility that Donald Trump actually satisfied Stormy Daniels. Which leads us to the inevitable conclusion that President Trump changed his stupid mind again. Yay! Iraq wants us to leave. I campaigned on the promise to bring our troops out of Iraq. But then I found out that pulling out the troops without destabilizing the region is hard. So I didn't do it. Because I hate doing stuff that's hard. But if Iraq wants us to leave, then I can pull out the troops and not have to do any hard stuff. I hereby declare that the troops pull out of Iraq. But Mr. President, if we pull out of Iraq because Iraq ordered us to, as a result of having assassinated a world leader on Iraqi soil without the permission of the Iraqi government, it might be construed as a tacit admission that our conduct was inappropriate. Fake news! I don't know what those words mean, which means they are fake words because I know the best words. Mr. President, if we pull out of Iraq, because the Iraqis told us to, it might make us look weak. Because I hate looking weak. I hereby declare that I no longer hereby declare that the troops pull out of Iraq. Very well, Mr. President. I'll unorder the orders you just ordered. See, Daddy? I'm not weak. I put the troops back in Iraq because I'm not weak, Daddy. I'm not weak, Daddy! Do you love me now, Daddy? Do you love me because I'm not weak? Why? Why, Daddy, why? Why didn't you love me, Daddy? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Bear Loud of Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin. Co-host Molly Brown, writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown, actors Ali Glonick, Corey Burns, and Tommy Strzok. We appreciate your support. Please follow us on social media and tell all your friends. Put a pee on it. Whoop, 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 whoop. Whoop, 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 whoop. Oh. <laughs> Love that I can just write Trump as Curly and have yeah. the full faith and confidence that he'll figure that out. <laughs>